Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Welcome in, guys. Good to see you on this Tuesday. It is. Yeah, it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. (laughs) Wow, that's embarrassing. Welcome in, though. Glad to see you guys on this Tuesday. Got to be a quick one today. I have got to go, so we're going to do this fast. There is a high-profile, really high-profile position change happening in Oxford, at least according to a report that came out last night. Also, got some home run derby reaction. I thought that was great drama yesterday. I loved it. The home run derby, even though Shohei Otani got eliminated in the first round, his pitcher stunk. I mean, just awful. Was throwing him low and away in the home run derby. I mean, give me a break. But we'll talk about both of those in a very short amount of time. Uh, but welcome in. I am Michael Borky. If you are a first-time listener or watcher, plenty of places you can do this. It's every day, Monday through Friday, right at 8 a.m. Most importantly, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search my name right there on YouTube. Find the YouTube channel and subscribe right there. Ring the notification bell. You'll see a uh, a notification every time uh, I go live or post a video on YouTube. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, Mike in the Morning or my name should turn up results. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Like my Facebook page. Everywhere on the internet, basically, you can find this. So welcome in. Glad you are with me. Wayne, good morning, sir. How are you? Glad to see you. So last night... Uh, I, I got sent a screenshot of a message board. Uh, it, it was uh, a post from Neil McCready, and uh, my friend asked me if it was true. <laughs> and I said, I mean, if, if Neil's reporting it and it involves Ole Miss, yes, it, it is true. Whatever he's reporting, it doesn't matter what it is. Asking me if what Neil's saying is true is kind of counterintuitive. You should be asking him if what I say is true. Anyway, uh, he, he said last night, uh, apparently on his message board, uh, that he had a source tell him the that John Rice Plumley is working out with the receivers, and uh, according to Neil, at least according to a source of Neil's, he is not at all throwing with the quarterback. So John Rice Plumley presumably going to be playing wide receiver this year. That's according to Neil, and if if the source is telling him that and he's comfortable putting that out there, it's probably true, and it's the right call. I mean, that was my first reaction is. That's the right call for all parties, honestly. For everybody involved in this, it's the right call, but especially for him. If you guys have been listening to me or following me for a while, two years ago when it was Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez butchering the offense, I every week said how it wasn't going to work in that form. And last year, the very few times they did put him in at quarterback. It never felt right. You know, going into the season, I told you that it was Matt Corral's team. It was his job. He's the better option, all that stuff. Uh, and it, I don't need to rehash all of that. You guys know that already. But uh, even when they did the Wildcat stuff, like in the Auburn game, I felt like that was inappropriate at times. It just didn't work. Uh, you saw that a couple of times uh, last season. 
And on top of that, after the bowl game, I got right up here live on Periscope talking to you guys, and I said, if John Rice Plumley decides he wants to play professional football, if that's the path he wants to take in his life, the best way for him to do it would be to drop quarterback, only throw baseballs, and in the offseason, work on route running and hands and playing wide receiver. If he wants to play professional football, the athleticism is there to play in the NFL. It's there to be an NFL player at wide receiver. Quarterback was never going to happen at the highest level of college football. It certainly was not going to happen in the NFL. If he wants to play professional football, working on his hands in route running and becoming a wide receiver is the path to do it. You've seen guys that are not as athletic as John Rice Plumley make it to the NFL because they were good at those two things right there. Use a comparison, you know, in, in part because they're both white guys, but uh, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, I, I would bet my life that John Rice Plumley is a better athlete than Hunter Renfro. But Renfro runs great routes, and he's got great hands. He does not drop the football. That can be Plumley. He can do that. If he's always in the right spot, if he's running good crisp routes and he's not dropping the football, that athleticism can play at the next level. So after the bowl game, I sat here with you guys and I said, if he wants to play pro ball, that's the way that he can do it. That's the way he can help his team the most. And that's the way he can have a career, a professional career in football, if that is what he wants. It is where he can be most successful in college. It's where he can be most successful potentially playing professionally. So if this is true, and I have no reason to doubt it because of where it's coming from, uh, then that's a great thing. Uh, on, on many levels, it's a great thing, but especially for the kid. At the end of the day, it's the right decision. And, you know, sometimes you're just dead set on playing something, and it's not like he won't be successful in life doing something other than football. But um, if that's the path he wanted, the best path would have been playing wide receiver. So... And there's no need to get cute in this offense either, which is why I like the fact that potentially he's not even throwing at all. You don't even need to do wildcat stuff with this offense. This is the SEC's leading rushing offense last year, by the way. A lot of people don't realize that. They look at Elijah Moore, they look at Matt Corral, they look at the numbers and think that it was just a pass-heavy offense. They led the SEC in rushing last year. Every person that got a carry last year out of the backfield, running back, and Plumley obviously, returns. All of them. So the, the, nation, or the SEC's leading rushing offense returns everybody. They don't need to get cute with it like they did at very few times last year. So doing a permanent position change will, you would hope, eliminate the desire. Eliminate the desire to get cute with what you do at quarterback. Matt Corral is a possible first-round pick. He doesn't need to be out of the game at any point. This possibly will help, elim again, eliminate the desire to put somebody other than Matt Corral in at quarterback. Anyway, um, I do think, though, a lot of people need to really pump their brakes on expectations for, for this young man at this position. Uh, he looked really good in the bowl game. Electric in the open field in the bowl game. Had one big drop, but, you know, it was his first time catching a football in, in college, at least in game action. Uh, had that big drop early in the Outback Bowl, but then made huge catches down the stretch and, and was a playmaker. 
But I saw somebody say yesterday that he's going to be better than Elijah Moore this year. Stuff like that. Uh, I, I really think that people need to to pump pump the brakes a little bit, ease up on expectations for this kid. Because I think that with a position change, people expect like a 1,400-yard receiver and, and just dominance. And I don't think you're going to get that. I'm not saying he's not going to be very good. I think he – you guys heard me say a second ago. I think he can play in the NFL. Truly, I do. But hold on. Ease up on the he's going to be just as good or better than Elijah Moore. Ease up on that. Elijah Moore is a a very unique talent. Should have been in the first round. He was the first pick of the second round, or the second pick of the second round. Uh, His measurables were off the charts. He never dropped the football. He his his catch rate was the best in college football. His hands were elite, his speed was elite, and his route running was elite and he had been playing wide receiver his entire life. This is different. This is a kid with electricity in the open field. Pretty smart kid. I imagine he's going to pick up wide receiver immediately. I'm sure there's going to be some Grow not growing pains, but he won't have the sure hands that Elijah Moore has because he hadn't been working on it his entire life. I, I think he can be productive, really productive. But if you think that, oh, he's you're just going to throw him in and he's going to be better than Elijah Moore, don't levy those kind of expectations on a kid that is playing this position for the first time on a full-time basis in his life. He has one game in his career, in his career at wide receiver, one. And you're telling me that you think he's going to be as good as Elijah Moore, who was the best wide receiver in the SEC last year? Just, just those kind of expectations, that that kind of conversation, those thoughts are unfair, honestly, to the young man, because it's going to be a transition, and it's not like he's the only slot receiver on the team. I mean, Ole Miss did get a guy that had an 800 yard receiving season his last time out in the slot. Yes, at Western Kentucky not in the SEC, but that guy's there. You know, they have recruited wide receivers. There is some talent in that receiver room. I think he will be heavily involved in the offense, but not in the same way that Elijah Moore was. They have other weapons, other proven weapons. I suspect you will see a more balanced passing attack this year than you saw last year. So if you're one of those people that's talking and comparing him to Elijah Moore, just don't, don't, levy those kind of expectations because he likely will not be at that level. And that's okay. I mean, Elijah Moore had the best individual season per game on a per game basis in Ole Miss football history, that wide receiver in the history of the program, the program that has AJ Brown and DK Metcalf in the NFL, Dante Moncrief in the NFL, Mike Wallace was there. I mean, Laquan Treadwell was a first round pick. Just, that kind of stuff can be really unfair to the player to have those kind of uh, expectations. JP says, morning, Michael. How are we today? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good. Uh, I had a great time watching the Home Run Derby last night. It was a lot of fun. The broadcast was awful. Awful. But the event was really fun. I enjoyed it. So I'm feeling good today. We're 46 days away from the college football season. So, man, I'm good today. I'm really good. When this is over... I got to go, but I'm, I'm going to exercise. Like, my health is in check. Like, all good here, man. All good. 
JP also says, that's not a huge surprise. you got a potential Heisman winner taking snaps. Plumlee will shred defenses in the open field. I'm not even a land shark, and this excites me. Finally, competent coaching. Imagine that. Um, imagine that. Uh, nope, no need for gimmicks. Wildcat or whatever. Possession is key. Possess the damn football. Keep your D off the field and uh, on the oxygen tanks. You have them as a complement to your O, ready to make a stop in the fourth quarter when necessary. It's not rocket science. People need to pull the E-brake on expectations, not pump them. Let him find his niche, if you will, in the O, and confidence will follow. I, I agree completely. I agree completely. I think that I am so fascinated in, in how Lane Kiffin and Jeff Lebby adjust to life after Elijah Moore. Um, because, I mean, what both of these guys have proven that they will do is find their, identify their best player and do whatever it takes to get their best player the football, and it worked. I mean, Elijah Moore was bracket covered and still got open because they schemed that. In the South Carolina game, they put him in the backfield because they saw something on film. Every week, there was a new wrinkle added to their offense that was catered to the opponent that they were playing. And I just, I love that. And you see that a lot in the NFL as well. But the the creativity and the flexibility of Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin in the way they go about preparing for games um, – was really special, honestly, last year. And there's a reason their offense was so good. Every week, they added wrinkles and layers to the offense that were specific to exploit their opponent. Every week, it was something new, something you hadn't seen before that was specifically designed to exploit that individual opponent. They don't just run their offense. They add to their offense based on who they're playing. And that sounds so elementary, right? Like, why wouldn't you do that? You'd be surprised... I mean, Rich Rodriguez with Plumlee. They just tried to, to make a, a square peg fit in a round hole, and they just jammed it in there and jammed it in there and jammed it in there and didn't change a thing. Uh, you get some of that element with the air raid. They just You run your offense. You, you run your offense, you read what the defense gives you, and you do what you do. And it has worked for Mike Leach, for example, for two decades. So there's different approaches to it. But this is, uh, this is how Ole Miss and – Kiffin and Levy go about it. And Patrick, this is a good point. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Braylon Sanders, if healthy, will find his way on an NFL roster. He will. I think Dontario Drummond, now that Elijah Moore is gone, is a reliable deep threat that people aren't really talking about. I mean, he showed you that explosiveness last year. I think you're going to see more balance. I think you're going to see... uh, I don't think you're going to see that one guy like Elijah Moore be the majority of the offense. They will be extremely balanced like they were last year because of what they have returning in the backfield and the flexibility of a guy like Jerry and Ely, his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. I've said it before on here. I'll say it again. I expect that they will use him in a kind of similar way to that of the Saints and Alvin Kamara. Kamara is the most flexible offensive weapon in the NFL to me. He can run between the tackles and do so successfully. He can run outside and do so successfully, and he can line up at wide receiver and catch the football successfully. He's got balance. He's got power somehow and is not very big frame. Uh, he's the most flexible athlete in the NFL. I don't think Jerry and Ely is as elite at everything yet as Alvin Kamara, but he's got that flexible skill set where he can do it all. He can run between the tackles. Um, He can get you tough yards. He can be electric in space, and he can catch the football. So 
while everybody's talking about Plumley, 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 you guys are forgetting that you have a, a first round caliber running back in the backfield who can do all of those things and more. Um, it's a it's a embarrassment of riches uh, for them right now. JP says, yes, that's intriguing. Life after more, but you hit 16 penalties square on the head there. You hit a 16-penny square on the head there. Kiffin is masterful at honing in on his best players' talents and find a way to get them touches. It was really impressive to watch while he was at FAU, and it will be fun to watch with John Rice. No cookie-cutter approach. Competent coaching can separate from mediocrity. Cliche, sure, but oh so true. Yeah, it's um, it's a cliche for a reason, right? I mean, that's the that's the easy answer. It's it's a cliche for a reason. Um, it's not a cookie cutter offense. There's new things every week. Um, I, I do want again. I, I have cautioned people on expectations for him at least this year, but I don't think that they will use him in the same way that Elijah Moore was used last year, and that's okay. I think they'll be more balanced, which makes them even more dangerous almost, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, than they were a year ago. It's um, it's an embarrassment of riches, honestly, the the weapons that they have and the way they'll be able to use them. And most of that is because they have an elite-level quarterback who the athletic, by the way, speaking of quarterback play and Ole Miss and offense, the athletic finally became the first publication to deserve a, just a, a big round of applause for writing about Matt Corral correctly. And there, uh, it was Dane Brugler, I believe, wrote a uh, a piece about draft elig- eligible quarterbacks in college football, and he ranked them based on where they currently sit. And uh, it was Rattler, Howell, and then Matt Corral. And his excerpt on Matt Corral was written by somebody that clearly actually watched him play. It was an amazing thing. It's almost as if you can before you write about him watch him play because all of his games are online and then make an evaluation. He nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. Um, And basically to summarize, it was uh, he's got a smooth skill set is the word he used uh, that everything looks fluid and and natural and and smooth. Uh, He said his footwork is really good, quick and decisive. Uh, A lot of people focused on Brugler saying that he has above average arm strength and what he's talking about is compared to other elite NFL quarterbacks and elite draft prospects. He's not saying above average arm strength in college football. So that people you know, were like, well, that's wrong. So, you know, he, he still nobody gets him right. Um, no, he's above average arm strength for first round caliber quarterbacks for the NFL. Matt Corral would not have the strongest arm or elite arm strength in the NFL, but it would be above average. He's got one of the strongest arms in college football. But in terms of prospects, in terms of the NFL, it's different. So, you know, people focused on that sentence and they shouldn't have because everything Dane Brugler wrote in The Athletic was spot on about Matt Corral. It can be done. You can write about him accurately. It just took six publications to get him right. It's the damnedest thing. Um, you've got to be thinking more and more about laying some coin on this year's Heisman winner, potentially being Corral. You can get great value on him right now. Let's see. Heisman odds. Uh, problem is they've just, they've got to win. You know, they've got to win at a certain level that can, that can get him there. And it's all about, uh, it's all about defense. 
So let's see. You've got Rattler, the favorite right now. DJ from Clemson is second. I'm looking at Vegas Insider for what it's worth. Bryce Young, JT Daniels, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, Derek King, Matt Corral. Matt Corral is behind CJ Stroud. <laughs> Matt Corral is behind CJ Stroud at plus 2,000. Yeah, drop 20 bucks if you can find it on Matt Corral plus 2,000. Get yourself a nice payday. Uh, that value is, is through the roof at plus 2,000. Just absolutely through the roof. I mean, points bet, you can get him at plus 3,300. I might set up a points bet account just to get him at plus 3,300. Just slap 10 bucks down on that future. Jeez. Yeah, that's great value there if uh, if you want to make a Heisman pick. What is the name of the preview magazine you talked about that is a tad pricey but loaded with analytics? It's uh, Sharp Football Analysis. Warren Sharp is his name. He's got a website as well. Uh, it's an NFL, so it's not a college preview magazine. It's about this thick, uh, and it is the best. Uh, Warren Sharp is the absolute best at, at preview magazines. Uh, Sharp Football Analysis. Um, you can order it through his website and get it downloaded on your your iPad as well. And he's not paid me for this, and not like anybody would pay me for this, but um, he's not paying me for this. It's the best preview magazine in sports. It's thick. It's analytic-driven. He is the best. He's got a wicked mustache, too, on top of it all. And a great interview. Follow him on Twitter. He, he always is dropping in stat nuggets and stuff on, uh, on the NFL. He's the best. I, I think he's the best most thorough analyst in sports. I, I'm a big fan of his, and his preview magazine is the best. Um, quick thought. I've got to go soon. Quick thought on the home run derby last night. Uh, Shohei Otani's pitcher was awful, wasn't he? I mean, I, I only really was only watching it because of Otani, and I'm really only going to watch the All-Star game tonight because of Otani. Um, his pitcher stunk, and Otani kept telling him, throw it inside. Throw it inside. And the guy was like dropping him cutters low and away. It was awful. And they kept adjusting the the screen and stuff. And the, the guy kept like stepping back off of the pitcher's mound that they had for him. It was awful. And he still almost won his round when the guy couldn't throw him strikes. It was it was crazy. But uh, it was a great show. It was a great show. Uh, Pete Alonzo was just awesome. Um, Mancini making it that far, being the cancer survivor, was also incredible. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The broadcast stunk, though. The format makes it hard for them to do it because they're just hitting pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch, and there will be a ball in the air when they're swinging, so they tried that double box thing. Um, it, was, it, it was choppy. It was bad. I didn't... The broadcast was awful. The camera angles were bad. They should have just done behind the players so you can quick see the ball go out, and still see the next swing, something like that. Broadcast stunk. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Um, Otani tried to come back, and uh, anyway. Um, broadcast stunk. Otani's pitcher was bad. There was another pitcher that was awful. Joey Gallo's pitcher took like five seconds between pitches. That was terrible, uh, but a great time last night. How far is Lane Kiffin from signing five stars? Uh, I don't know if they're in on any this cycle. 
I do know that when they have this uh, this barbecue that Arch Manning's visiting, Arch Manning's not the only person there. And by the way, it's not his first actual visit to Old Miss. Like he's been going to Oxford his entire life. Like his family has a house there and all that stuff. Like the kid's been to Old Miss more times than he could ever imagine counting in his life. So he's very well aware of the town and stuff. But this isn't the first time he'll be in Oxford to visit the football program. I don't know why people are, are pointing to this weekend as the first, uh, but maybe this will now add legitimacy to Ole Miss's candidacy of his his signature. Uh, nobody ever talks about Ole Miss, but they should, and maybe this will add legitimacy. But I think there's there's 10 other four stars in the 2022 class that will be there that weekend, so that's a huge, important weekend. I don't know if there's any five stars in this cycle that they're truly in on, but they will load the class up with fours far more than last year. I mean, they're already halfway to the number of four stars they signed last year already, and they are in on a hell of a lot more than they were last year. Um, It's elevated. No doubt that it is elevated. Have I peaked at the Saints' current salary cap situation worse to middle of the pack sitting at 15th in the league with uh, with available cap space? Um, It's almost as if Mickey Loomis knows what he's doing, and everybody talking about how the Saints were in cap hell didn't really know what they were talking about. And uh, it's still a playoff roster. Even with COVID knocking the salary cap down some, it's still a playoff roster. Imagine that. It's almost as if people uh, don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, I've got to run. Sorry, it's a it's a short one today, but did want to get that uh, that old Miss note out there for you. Spent a lot of this summer talking about Mississippi State, so we're going to balance the scales here uh, over the next few weeks. So Plumley moving to wide receiver, right move for Ole Miss, right move for John Rice Plumley. Matt Corral's got a ton of weapons, and the offense is going to be electric, but that's not surprising. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Michael Borky on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. We're up over 100 now. I want to get to 110 by the end of the day. Y'all have a good one. Like the video as well. That will help me a ton on YouTube, and I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Talk Mississippi Media Production.